0: How y'all doing? Pretty good. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> Coley's doing good. The rest of y'all. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm supposed to speak on step one tonight. And um, first off, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to, uh, to be asked to speak. <laughs> uh, it's an, it is, and it's an honor and a privilege to be asked to speak down here. And, and I always say that, and uh, sometimes it's not really true. I don't know if y'all do that, but I, 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 tow the company line of recovery and I say, it's an honor and a privilege to speak. And the truth is I'd, uh, I'd much rather be on my couch watching sports and, uh, not dealing with you guys. Uh, but, uh, tonight, tonight's not like that. Tonight is absolutely an honor and a privilege to speak because, uh, drug addicts anonymous invigorated my recovery. I, I, I got clean and alcoholics anonymous. My, uh, my DAA home group is the firing line group in Johnson City, Tennessee. We meet Fridays at 7.30. If you're ever up that way, please come check us out. But uh, I got to a place in recovery where, I any, y'all ever went to AA meetings? Anybody? Anybody? AA? Yeah? Yeah? And uh, I like to shoot dope, right? And sometimes the little AA guys, they frown upon us little dope fiends. Have y'all ever experienced that? And those sons of bitches, it's like they're coming with fucking pitchforks for you, and uh, and, I, and I don't know whether I'm coming or going, and I I don't know that I'm supposed to stick to just talking about alcohol, and I'm like, and I feel like I've done something wrong, and then I blame AA, and I go shoot dope for a couple more years, and I, and then I come back, and I'm like, can I pick up another white chip? And uh, so, I, but I I got clean in AA this time, and uh, we didn't have DAA, and uh, I, I don't when I went through treatment, I got a big book sponsor. I didn't really mean to get a big book sponsor, but, uh, he talked about snorting mounds of Oxycontin and he talked about the little hose clamp and he'd whittle it down and he talked about the mounds. And, uh, I was like, I do dope like that guy does. And I, and I didn't realize that he was 12 stepping me when he did it. And you know, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to get a level of relatability. And so I was like, I asked this guy, I'm like, Hey man, well, uh, I'm I'm sitting in treatment and, uh, for the, I don't know how many times I've been to treatment, but I'm sitting there and is the first dude that ever made sense. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? You got these, and I've went to meetings for 13 years and I've watched a lot of people not make sense. (laughs) And, and it seems like they can do things that I, I just, I'm not capable of doing. You know, they just put the plug in the jug and they stop. And that's, fantastic uh (laughs) but i I could never do that and he was the first person that made sense because he talked about mounds of oxycontin and he talked about hating recovery and i don't know if y'all have ever been there but when you go to meetings upon meetings upon meetings and you're watching these other sons of bitches get better and they're all laughing and having a good time and i'm just dying on the inside wanting to go shoot dope in the bathroom and i hate recovery because y'all seem happy it's like, what in the hell have I got to be happy about? And he talked about that, and he talked about being in a 12-step program and never working a step and wondering why he didn't get the same happiness that the other people got. And and, and it all started to click and make sense, and uh, so... I get sponsored in AA, and I, I, do, I do the whole AA thing, and I, I'm, I'm a student of the big book, and, I, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. I think if, uh, if we're in recovery, we should be a student of recovery. And uh, so I'd go, he, my sponsor suggested that I might uh, <laughs> I might be more useful in Narcotics Anonymous because I'm a drug addict and to see if I could go there and help people. And so I'm in AA, and I feel like they're coming at me with pitchforks because I shoot dope, and then I go to NA, and they hate me because I'm a big book guy. And uh, and, and it really sucks being in recovery. I, I was like two and a half years clean, and I didn't really ha- have anywhere that felt like home. And uh, a, a buddy of mine came down here to this group, and he called me, and he was all excited, and he was like, look, man, they got a Drug Addicts Anonymous meeting, and they work the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they're about helping junkies. And so... I came down here and visited you guys, and we started a group up in Johnson City, and it's uh, it's invigorated my recovery, and it's given me a, a, a lot of sense and purpose in, in, in my recovery So I, It really is an honor and a privilege to speak here tonight, so thank you guys for, uh, for being here and laying the groundwork for somebody like myself. It, I, it, it's not lost on me. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read just a, a, a little snippet from the big book. It's on and I know I'm supposed to speak on step 1, but uh, on page 94 in working with others it says the more hopeless he feels the better he will be more likely to follow your suggestions. And so I I first uh, I first got introduced to 12 step programs when I was 19. Somebody wore one of these on me. Uh, (laughs) and uh that man was that man was kind enough to buy some ecstasy pills off of me while wearing a wire for the drug task force up in Kingsport and uh my (laughs) fucker uh so my lawyer uh and and I, I gotta preface this when I say my lawyer I don't want anyone to get confused about this my lawyer was my mom's lawyer my poor school teacher mom who loved her little baby boy to death doesn't have a whole lot of money but she doesn't want to think about me going to the penitentiary for all of them years so she ponies up some money and gets me an attorney so when i say my lawyer it wasn't really my lawyer but my my mom's lawyer suggested that uh, i i go to some alcoholics anonymous and narcotics anonymous meetings and uh at the time they said, uh, they said I'd sold these uh, X pills in a school zone that turned out not to be true, but uh, at the time I was looking at 24 to 48 years, because it's a schedule one narcotic, and uh, they don't play with that shit. And, uh, and I'm scared, you know? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a scared little kid, and uh, they, my lawyer says, you might want to go to IOP and you might want to go to some 12-step meetings iop and 12-step meetings prison (laughs) so uh give me the iop and the 12-step meetings. so i I go to them and uh, i have no desire to get clean you know no no desire to get clean and uh you know i just i I fumble along i get high the whole time i i I don't know if any of y'all have got experience with iop classes but back then i uh Cargo shorts were were in style back then. Apparently they're not these days. But uh, I I have my little cargo short that I'd have that one of my buddies pee in a, a little Nyquil bottle. Yeah, yeah none, none, of y'all, none of y'all do that. <laughs> All right, so that just, just me. Later on, I started wearing a fake dick when I'd go to the parole office. I know none of y'all do that either. But I, but, but I, I went through the so I I I'd get my I'd get my little pee and I dump it I dump it in there. And then I'd go to IOP classes, and they would all praise me. We're so proud of you. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> Sober Craig, killing it. And, uh, and I mean, I'm doing every drug I can get my hands on. I, at the time, I'm not really physically dependent upon a substance. At 19, I'll do anything that you got, however we can do it. it yeah? Yeah? Anybody? Yeah, okay. So, uh, eventually... Um, I moved down here to Knoxville and I lived in the fort and uh, I I moved down here to get away from the Oxycontins because there's no drugs in Knoxville. (laughs) And, uh, and I I mean, I I, I I swear to God, I I hadn't been here 30 minutes and, uh, and my buddy that I moved in, my, my, my buddy that I moved in with was like, dude, we got these Mexicans with this black tar and I was like, oh yeah, I'm in the right place. So, uh, but I'm just gonna smoke it, <laughs> and, and, and that and that works for a minute. I don't know if any of y'all have experience on, on smoking heroin, but uh, it works for about four days, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I do that, and then I realize that I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting the aluminum foil, and uh, so, so I I do what any good and y'all y'all know y'all know the drill. So uh, all that all that happens, and, um, shocking, but, uh, that they gave me, uh, five years suspended sentence for selling those X pills uh, nice, right, and, uh, I get, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I get about three and a half years of it done, and I burn the bottom out of that fucking cup, man, (laughs) so they, uh, they they violate me, and, uh, and, and, and this goes on and on and on for years, uh. I'd violate, I'd do good for a little bit, they'd send me back to jail after I'd violate again, and, uh, all in between here, I'm going to AA and NA, and, uh, because that's where people like me go, you know, they say go to 12-step meetings, they say go to Suboxone clinics, they say go to this Jesus Boot Camp down here in Greenville, Tennessee, and and I'm like, all right, I, I do all these things, and, uh, and I come into the meeting, and and I, I would I would sit down in your meeting, and I would say, if I'm an AA, my name's Craig, I'm an alcoholic, or if I'm an NA, I try to be respectful. My name's my name's Craig, I'm an addict, and uh, I didn't know what that meant. No one ever really took time to explain to me what the hell I was talking about. I just said it because you said it, <laughs> and you sounded really smart when you said it, and uh, so I. I didn't have a clue what it meant to be powerless. If you would have asked me if I was a drug addict, I hung my hat on the fact that I was a drug addict. Because y'all don't do drugs the way I do drugs. I see y'all and I see y'all that are sober and happy and doing good in life, and I think to myself, you're a bunch of pussies who drink mimosas on the weekends. I slam dope. I, I, am I the only one thing like, I, I, when I look out into the room I don't think y'all do it like I do it. Does that make sense? That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've been clean five years and I've still got some dart marks on my arms. Uh, but I, I, j- I just couldn't grasp what it meant to be powerless. And uh, in the big book, it talks about the first step in recovery is conceding to my innermost self that I'm a, I'm a drug addict. And I could get the fact that I was powerless and I could get the fact that my life was unmanageable, but I never was able to, at a gut level understand that I was hopeless. I always thought that somehow, some way, I was going to beat the game. Somehow I was going to get the right concoction and I was suddenly going to be able to do, be the guy that could just smoke weed. Y'all like weed? Yeah. I love weed. fucking love weed. And But I, if I look at my experience, I'm never the guy. I, I'm never the guy that can just sit around and play video games and smoke blunts. I do that for a minute, and then you know what happens? Heroin sounds really good. <laughs> and so I try the weed thing. I try selling it and not using it. I try all of the various ways I can think of that's going to make me different from you all because I'm special. That makes sense? And along the way, I had a lot of people when I'd come to meetings, and they were very well-intentioned, and they loved on me. And thank you guys for that. If you're the person that when when the new guy comes in, and y'all love on him, and you hug on him, and you get him coffee, and you show him where the bathroom is, I want to say thank you, because I I appreciate that. But at some point, y'all were loving me to death. And... I've made, I've made the mistake as a sponsor and as somebody who goes to do treatment work and corrections work of trying to make y'all feel full of hope. And it, and it says right here in working with others, the more hopeless he feels, the better. He'll be more likely to follow your suggestions. And uh, finally, they ended up giving me that five-year sentence, and uh, they sent me to a little work camp down in uh, West Tennessee. And... Anybody looking at me thinking I'm hard? Because I promise you I'm not. I'm, I'm, not I'm, I'm not. I'm not hard. I'm not made for the correction system. But uh, they didn't They didn't care that I wasn't made for it. They said you're going to go anyway and you're going to love it. Uh, so so they, they sent me down to here to this little work camp. And uh, I, while I was in there, you have a lot of contemplation time. Anybody been locked up? Yeah, <laughs> my place. Uh, so, <laughs> so so I, while I'm locked up, I contemplate. And I don't contemplate quitting using, because that's crazy. Uh, I contemplate what got me in, in trouble. And what got me in trouble was opiates. If I can stay clear of the opiates, <laughs> I'm good. I, and I'm, I'm not going to mess with the Xanaxes. And uh, and this was in 2010, 2011. Y'all remember the fake bake? <laughs> so I'm I'm smoking fake bake like there's no tomorrow, being locked up and uh, passing my drug test. And uh, I I when I get out, I, I decide I'm gonna sell weed because uh, I, I one of my best friends is a uh, he's a big weed dealer. That's what he is. Uh, so it's a kid I grew up with. So I start selling the weed and I start making some money. And I tell myself I, I'm gonna make a thousand dollars and I'm gonna stop. <laughs> yeah. So I make a thousand. What happens when I make a thousand? Two thousand, two thousand to five, five to ten, ten to twenty-five. And when I got to twenty-five, I said I'm gonna try to get a hundred. Well, I got I got up to thirty-one thousand dollars and. Uh, it, it all start, it, it it all started with this twenty year old waitress girl. <laughs> and uh I got the uh I got the idea that uh if I did these pills I could perform like John Holmes. And uh <laughs> And, and But it, here, here's what happens is, is I, I go and, I, and I, I buy five five shitty 30s. Y'all know those shitty little, shitty little pills that barely get you high. Uh, so I, I go I go buy five of them. I say I'm going to do two of them right off the rip, and then I'm going to save the other three for later. And uh, I didn't end up going out with the 20-year-old waitress girl. What I ended up doing was staying at that, and I And I hadn't done opiates in 23 months. I was drinking and smoking fake bake, but uh, I, sat, I sat at a little dump of a trap house in Kingsport doing Roxy's. Screw that girl. I didn't really like her anyways. <laughs> and uh, and I, as I was leaving, I say, let me get 10 more for tomorrow. I, what I know today, what I didn't know then was that I suffer from an allergy that not normally, normal people suffer from. And that what that allergy does in me is when I put the drugs in my body, and I'm an I am an opiate addict. When I put the opiates in my body, all bets are off. And and my, my body reacts differently. No, a normal person, 23 months from using some Roxy's, that they get they get fucked up. I do, the, I do 60 milligrams, and I'm like, this is like a quarter of a hand job. This is a waste of time. Uh, so, so It's a bad look, sorry. Uh, so, uh, so something happens to me that doesn't happen in the normal person, and then I'm off to the races, and that $31,000 that I have stuck up in my, in my vent, in my overhead oven, starts to dwindle I know I'm still doing things and trying to make some money but uh, I'm I'm off to the races and I had accumulated some extra houses to grow some things in and uh, they all got gone I accumulated uh, some money some stuff some possessions some things that make people feel good about themselves and and what I've come to realize today is that I don't even really like that stuff. You know what? You know what I like about selling drugs—that I get to do drugs. I—I I, don't—I don't like all the other stuff everybody talks about. I mean, that's cool. I got a car. It's cool. I got a house. It's cool. I got some girls on my arm. But really, what I'm looking for is to be able to do as much drugs as I want without having anybody bother me. Yes. <laughs> That—that's—that's that's what I'm going for. Maybe I'll do it different, but that's how I do it. And uh, so the last six months of my drug use, I would. Uh, up in Johnson City, there's a there's a little uh, nut ward's what it is. You, you go there for five days. It's called the Woodridge, and uh, they give you the good old Seroquel and Valiums and uh, Vistaril. Vistaril, Visteril, <laughs> all all the stuff. And I would I, I would pop in and out of there, and uh, I, I couldn't string it together. And I'd go to the Residential Treatment Center, and my mind my mind would just be going crazy i'd have four days clean from coming in from the nut ward into the residential treatment center and i would wait till about eleven fifteen at night because everybody's supposed to be in bed at 11 and then when the rest of y'all went to bed that first night i go to the tech and say i gotta get out of here they're like y'all y'all gotta let me leave and they're like why and i'm like i gotta get high like i'm not I, my mind just won't shut down and i know that they're I know that there's some some stuff way down on the other end of town and if I get out of here by midnight I can get my boy to come pick me up and he's not in bed till about two in the morning and you gotta get my bags and I gotta go. Now I don't I don't have any money. <laughs> but uh but any good junkie can figure a way out. So I, I go and offer to sell my soul or whatever I've gotta do and uh And, and I, and I go and I do that. And that's the last, that's, that's generally what the last six months of me getting high looked like. Going to these places, going crazy, stealing some shit, making some promises I can't keep, hurting some people I love, and, uh, going on to the bitter end. Make sense? It's terrible, but, uh, so I, I checked into treatment for uh, what I hope to be the last time in my, in my life uh, on March 10th of 2015. That's a long fucking time. <laughs> I don't know if that seems like it. seems like a long time to me to think that uh, I've been clean almost four and a half years or something like that. Uh, and so while I, I go to the Woolwood Ridge and uh, I get, they send me to residential. And I was locked up with this dude in treatment. Y'all ever done treatment with guys you're locked up with? So I, I, I hooked him up on some tobacco way back in the day. And he said, and, and when I checked into treatment, I told my buddy, who's actually three years clean now in, in DAA, uh, I told him, whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Y'all made these promises? Whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do it. I don't care what they say. And, uh, and I meant that. And I've been in treatment for about three days. They send me over to residential, and the guy says, hey, do you want some Suboxone? What's the answer? Yeah! yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going out like a rock star with a watered-down Suboxone strip and a plastic spoon. <laughs> I mean, how pathetic is that? That's the last time I got high. It was a watered-down Suboxone strip and a plastic spoon in the bathroom of a treatment center. I mean, nothing rock star about that very douchey, uh, <laughs> and I did that for about two or three days, and, uh, I woke up on the morning of the 16th, and he still had some, and something came over me, and I did not believe in God, I did not believe in a higher power, I didn't believe in none of that nonsense, uh, but something came over me that day, and just said, look at your dumbass, you're hearing treatment, saying you need help, and you're snorting Suboxin in the bathroom, pathetic, and, uh, so he said, do you want any more, and I said, no, and, um, Hopefully, it's the last time I'll ever have to get not sick. I didn't even get high, I got not sick. <laughs> so, uh, while I was in there, some uh, good members of Alcoholics Anonymous came in, and uh, the man came in and he talked about the mounds, the mounds of Oxycontin. And it, and it piqued my curiosity. And uh, so I asked that man, I say, Will you help me through the steps? <laughs> and uh he says yes and uh, as the week goes by i convince myself that i don't need a sponsor does that make yeah yeah all right so he comes back in the next week because there happened to be uh five sundays that month and he had the fourth and the fifth sunday and he came back in he made some more sense i asked that man if he'd help me and uh my sponsors he's uppity he's bougie he's a business dude and uh He has me meet him. I get out of treatment. He has me meet him at Panera Bread. (laughs) What kind of junkie eats at Panera Bread? (laughs) 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 Yeah, a coli. That's the kind of junkie. That's right there. (laughs) So, uh... And he has me meet him at at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday. At Panera Bread. Uh... But I'm desperate, and so I say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at the, the yuppie-ass Panera Bread, and, and I sit there and I talk to him, and, uh, and, the, and the first meeting he has with me, and I didn't realize, I, I didn't know the big book, I could recite you how it works, because I've heard y'all say it so many times, but I didn't know the big book, and uh, it says in working with others that on, on, on your first meeting, find out all you can about him. And so he just sits there and has a conversation with me. And he talks to me about my drug addiction. And he keeps staring at my arms. And my arms look like dartboards. Y'all know what what that's like? And here's a normal normal man just just looking at me. And he says, well, what's going to be different this time? He's not babying me. He's not coddling me. He's not hugging on me and loving me. He's giving me tough love. So what's going to be different this time? And I think I've got a good treatment answer. Anybody, anybody been to treatment and they give you the good answers to say when you get out? I'm scared to death. <laughs> Alright, that's what we always say. Scared to death this time. And he said, let me ask you something. He said, you ever been scared to death before? Every other time I've ever got out of treatment, I've been scared to death. Every time I've ever got out of jail, every time I've ever got out of the Tennessee Department of Corrections, I've always been scared to death because if I look at my experience, I always get high. Always. And he said, fear will keep you clean for a little bit. Fear sobered him for a little bit. Fear's not going to cut it. And he said, what's your relationship with God? Ah, fuck, man. I don't know about y'all, but the the last thing I wanted to have anything to do with was God. My bro, my brother's a preacher, my mom's a church lady, and I decided at about 12 years old that they could take their imaginary friend. And I'm really happy that that they've got something that works for them. But I just can't I can't do it. And uh, I would argue religion and all of the things. And that man said. If you want to have any chance of staying clean, sober, whatever you want to call it, you better find a relationship with that thing. And, and it, some people hate it that he says this. I love that he, he, he said, I can sum up AA in four words. I don't know. Y'all are going to come with pitchforks. Find God or die. Yep. Damn. I'm thinking about the death. <laughs> 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 How, how bad is how this death? Uh, and he, he, told me, he told me he wanted me to do some... I can get going. I'll keep you all here all night. Uh, he told me he wanted me to do a couple things. He wanted me to go back to the treatment center for aftercare on Thursday night. He wanted me to go to the Monday night big book study because he said, Craig, you've been going to these stupid meetings where they don't talk about anything other than the problem, and all you're looking for is for some girl that you can take out of there. Why, has he been following me? Uh, and so, so he said, I, I want you at Aftercare on Thursdays, I want you at the big book on Mondays, and I want you to meet with me one hour a week. Okay. And so I go do Aftercare, and it's, this old, it's me and this old drunk bastard that's been sober for 10,000 years. And... Uh, <laughs> Bless his heart, he's there every week. No, I'm serious. And and, and thank God for men like that. Show up consistently and do those things. Uh, But my ego starts to kick back in. And I I remember telling my sponsor, I said, man, I don't want to do it. And he said, Craig, your whole fucking life's been about what you want. Why don't you do something for somebody else for once? Hurt my little dope fiend feelings? (laughs) But see what what i what I didn't realize then was that he understood for a guy like me that I had to get rid of every idea that I had and and i I had to understand what I was up against, and what i'm what I'm up against is a disease that affects me physically mentally and spiritually and we started going through the big book and in, in the very beginning it talks about the the phenomenon of craving the physical allergy and uh, i go into a lot of treatment centers and, and I, I give this example so i i go by 30 30s yeah yeah anybody anybody Bueller? Bueller? i go by 30 30s and i say i'm gonna make them last for four days <laughs> Is, no am i the only one that does this experiment So I'm going to make them last for four days. I'm going to do seven or eight today, seven or eight tomorrow, seven or eight. Because those little bastards are expensive, and I don't want to spend all that money once. Yeah? Anybody? All right, all right. So uh, what happens is as soon as they get put in my hand, I I just got them. (laughs) So I'm going to do ten right off the rip. And so she puts in my hand, first question is, can I use your bathroom? <laughs> and so she lets me use the bathroom, and I do the 10. And then on the way home, I, I start thinking, and I'm like, well, the 10 really didn't get me where I wanted to go. And so when I get home, I'm going to do 10 more. And I, 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 I do them, and I do them, and I do them. And then if I'm lucky, I wake up in the morning, and I've got a wash. And then, and then i and then I got to go do the same rat bastard things I did the day before the next day to get right. Physically, when I put it in my body, something happens that does not happen in the normal person. And my body starts to crave more dope. And, it, and he explained, it, we went through the book and he's explained this. And he said, now if that's your only problem, what's the answer? Just say no. Just don't do it. Pull up your bootstraps, son. Quit being a pussy. you got so much potential. You're wasting your life away. Frothy emotional appeal. They they try to appeal to my emotions. Obviously, there's more to the problem. Now, and, and God bless the meetings, but I'd come to the meetings and they would say, "Just don't drink and go to meetings." If I could not drink, I, what what do I need your stupid ass meeting for? <laughs> and, and then and then, bless my heart, I'd, I'd go to Narcotics Anonymous and they'd say, "Hey, buddy, just don't use, no matter what." And I'm like, I use no matter what. I, I like, and, and, and the places I'm supposed to go to get the help, I, like, I, I just can't connect. Does that, am I the only one that's ever felt like that? I, so so I, I, I'm like, what's wrong with me? And, and I remember my sponsor asking me, he says, why do you like to do drugs? And uh, I, thought I, I thought I didn't have the good treatment answer. I, my mom used to send me to a counselor when I was a kid and, uh, to find out what the hell was wrong with me. And uh, the counselor had asked me why you do drugs, and I don't have a cool story about abuse or anything like that. And I, I just and my sponsor asked me, he said, "Why do you like to do drugs?" And I said, "I don't really know, man. I really like the way I feel when I get high." And he said, "That's the best answer I've ever heard anybody give me, because we want to come up with these reasons of this happened and that happened, and I've got some bad stuff that's happened to me in my life. But truthfully, man, I love how I feel when I do drugs, and I always have. It, it fills a void in my soul that I've never found anything else that works like that. And uh, so we start looking at the physical piece and then the mental piece of when, when, I, when I use no matter what, when, no matter if my daughter's feeling like she's abandoned. Nobody wants to abandon their kids, right? I remember my my daughter I I'd go to jail and I would say daddy's sick y'all use that law daddy's sick uh when I get out of here when I get out of here I'm going to take you to Six Flags when I get out when I get out of here I'm going to show up for all your school functions when I get out of here I'm going to go to your concerts and all of my my daughter's an unbelievable singer and I'm going to be there and I'm going to do all the things for you. And uh, what's my daughter see when I get out? She sees me taking her to those shitty trap houses and saying, Daddy's just got to run in here real quick, just sit in the car and hold tight. What she sees is me throwing her the Xbox controller and saying, My stomach hurts, I'll be in the bathroom for the next hour and a half. And I don't mean to do that. I, I, I don't, that's not my intentions. That's not what I set out to do. And my sponsor had me take a good long look at this and, and how when I'm in jail and I promise my mom that if she bails me out this time, I'm never going to end up like this again. And here I go, still in her purse. And so I, I started to understand to my innermost self on a gut level that I was powerless over dope. And then we started to look at the unmanageability. And the unmanageability, I, treatment people, anybody like treatment? anybody like treatment? And they, and, and they have you fill out the stupid ass step one packet. And uh, give me three reasons why your life's unmanageable. And, uh, and it's always the same. She's going to leave me. <laughs> Can't pay my bills. Parole office is going to send me to prison. <laughs> Check this out. She left me. I managed it. I couldn't pay my bills. I managed it. I went to prison. I managed it. I didn't like any of it, but I managed every bit of it. What I, what I couldn't manage was having to wake up and be me sober. I don't know if y'all know that feeling, but it's like I, my, my insides are just grinding. I'm uncomfortable. It's fucking my own skin. I don't seem to fit in with any of y'all. If y'all are good people, I feel really, really over here. If y'all are bad people, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a little better than you. And, and I'm just an alien walking around just uncomfortable in my own skin, wondering how I got here and why y'all can hold it together, and I can't. And see, when he started explaining to me that the unmanageability was all inside and it has nothing to do with outside, it, all this started to make sense. And, and then I became more likely to follow his suggestions. And uh, he didn't suggest me to do anything crazy. He said what we're going to do is we're going to go through the first 164 pages of the big book when it says to pray we're going to pray when it says to write we're going to write when it says we're going to go make amends we're going to go make amends and he says and if you want my help we're going to get out here and we're going to start helping people he said your whole life's been about what you want why don't you try to pack something in for once and uh and i remember uh the the AA Nazis, if y'all are in here, don't come after me. But I had a AA I had a AA commitment with him, and he had uh, I had seventy six days clean, and I'd been going with him to the little nut wards to do H and I and stuff. And he calls me. I'm supposed to be there at six thirty. He calls me about six fifteen. He says, "I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. You're going to have to do it on your own." <laughs> I, I'm scared I'm scared to death. But when I when I go in there and I and I, and I do my little spiel for H&I that night. My name's Craig, I'm an alcoholic, here's what it means to be powerless. And I go through the whole little thing and I'm scared to death and I don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about. But when I left there that night, on top of the world. And, And what he did was instead of letting me sit on the damn sidelines in recovery, he got me involved. He let me take ownership for my own recovery instead of sitting around waiting on you to do it. I've, I've been I've been watching y'all do it for years and and dying a drug addiction. When when someone took the time to say, "Hey, you know what? You need to get out here and you need to start helping." And another thing that he did with me when he was taking me through step one that I try to do with all my guys was he said, "Now, when you're sponsoring somebody, you need to make sure they understand this. When when you're going through the book, taking another guy through the book, you need to make sure that they know." And he tricked me, because I was like, this dumb son of a bitch actually thinks I can help somebody. And, and what happened was, I, I started to have a little faith in myself, and then I started getting some sponsees, and I started seeing that, maybe, just maybe, if I take ownership in recovery, and I develop this relationship with this God thing, life can get good again. And uh, and it has. and I've been clean... A decent little amount of time now, and uh, my daughter that wouldn't answer my phone calls. She's uh she's getting ready to graduate high school. I bought her a guitar with some dope money back in the day, and uh, for for my birthday and for Father's Day and stuff like that, she'll, she'll bring the guitar over and she'll uh, she learns these songs that I like and she'll sing these songs to me on the guitar that I bought her with the dope money. And she wouldn't answer my phone calls. You know how cool how cool is that? Uh, I've got people that love me today, and uh, I owe all of that to having a step one experience. Step one's not about knowledge. You know, like a lot of us come in here and we try to intellectualize, like maybe if I study the book enough and I I memorize the words, that that I'll have a a step one experience. And what it it is for me and what it is for a lot of people that I've seen is a, a gut level hopelessness. And until I can get gut level hopeless, I still got some good ideas. As long as I still got good ideas, I'm still going to try my good ideas. Uh, but thank y'all oh, you're good man. I love you It's right there. Hello, I'm Taylor C and I'm a drug addict. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or follow and look out for more episodes coming soon.